In the following live session recording, Keith Chandler, state missionary with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, leads the session entitled Bivocational Music Ministry 101, Leading a Choir. The listener may ask questions like, what do I do with my hands? My choir doesn't read music. What now? We are a small choir. Can we be effective? These are common questions relative to smaller attendance churches. You'll hear tips to make even a small choir make a big impact in your worship service. Let's join Keith now. Yes, they are. All right, so, so we've got this choir, and uh, the thing about it is, what, what is a choir? Well, a choir is not one person, because you have a solo if you have one person, but if you have two people, you have a choir, okay? Now, if you have two people that can sing, you even have a better choir. If you have four people that can sing well, you've really got a choir. I mean, because then you can go the distance. It's just four is all it takes uh, to go the distance. Uh, because um, good singing promotes attendance. Uh, in other words, when, when your choir does well, and I'm saying well on your standard, not on my standard or anyone else's standard, but on your standard, you go home in the afternoon and you say, that really was good. You know, the Lord really... That's what I'm saying. That's what we're, the goal is, is to say our people in our situation have truly done their best to present to the Lord, not to anyone else, but unto the Lord, uh, this, and it was successful. And so that's your goal. Um, most of you know the, um, let's see if I can find this real fast. Right. Jehoshaphat is the king of Israel, and so uh, he's tried. He's really tried hard to do what God ha- wants him to do, and so they're they're in war. And so you know it's amazing in the scripture it'll say uh, in in the season when kings went to war. So it was it was almost an expected thing that you know the kings going to war in this season, and so Jehoshaphat is in this war, and. Um, so, you know, I'm sure, don't you know the strategy? You know, everybody's seen the, the, the old uh, 17th, 18th, 19th century movies, you know, where the king is way back in the back in a tent. And, you know, they've got these maps and these horses, and it looks like they're playing chess, you know, and they're saying, you know, the strategy of this and that and the other. Uh, well, Jehoshaphat has prayed, and here's what the Lord told him to do. Send the choir out front. That's exactly what he told him to do. Send the singers out front. And Jehoshaphat, I'm sure, don't you think a king that's trying to conquer a land, you know, what do you mean send the singers out front? These are people that entertain us. These are people that, you know, uh, bring joy and delight. They're, they're not warriors. They're not, you know, and, and so that's exactly what they do. They send the singers out front. And why do, you, why do you think, just hearing that story, why do you think God would have told them to send the singers out front? Because, <laughs> let me answer my own question. To encourage his own men? Well, to encourage, but to say, the battle is the Lord's. So we've not sent the, the, the guns and the, the arm, you know, all that stuff. We didn't send that out first. We didn't send the bowmen and all that. We sent the singers out first. Because we are, we are, are traveling as we praise the Lord, okay? Same thing happened in Jericho, okay? Uh, 
I like to think that the mighty shout was just a high C. You know, that kind of a thought in my mind. And so, you know, they're told to walk around the city this, uh, seven times. And, you know, on the seventh time, you know, when they get around there to shout and the walls will come down. Well, they did. Okay. And so uh, what we learned from that in a choir perspective is that, uh, of course, first thing is that God uses that ministry. Okay. I'm so excited that here last, last week, not, not anything against last week at Jonesboro, but at Jonesboro, it was all just worship band and worship team. I was so glad that Ron brought his choir in to kind of show that, uh, you know, and wasn't it just so effective? I thought it was so effective, uh, especially him playing, playing keyboard in a gutted out, you know, piano. I, Y'all know, do y'all know that that's what that is? I he was playing. It. It's just a keyboard. Yeah. They've gutted out the piano and just slid a keyboard in it. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. I was like, well, surely it's just like the electric grand piano is like. No, it's but not. We, we didn't have enough room for all of us to crowd. sit. Right. Before, so we were in the balcony. Right. And I was like, that is literally like a gutted out. Piano. That's why I told you that. <laughs> somebody's garage. Right. Like a, a red right. keyboard. Just sitting in the where the keys are, yeah. And so what that is, uh, and you know, they're they're in a traditional church. You know, uh, you can you know tell from the outside it's bit, you know traditionally built. And so that's just the way they blend the two. Okay, I don't know how we got off on this, but that's how they blend the two, and so that it looks pleasant. You know, it's not a keyboard with a bunch of wires hanging out of the back. And so it's just, it's just the way they do it. I've seen it done one other time in, in a church, but I, I, I didn't know it was like that here. Um, so, um, but anyway, so let's get back to Jehoshaphat. So, so we've got this thing. Uh, I, I was reading on Facebook the other day, and you know if it's on Facebook, it's true. Uh, but it was an article by one of our seminary professors uh, talking about the nine... The nine things that make choir effective, or you know, why why you'd want a choir. I'm not going to be able to remember all of them, but here's here's some of them. Now this is tongue in cheek, okay? This is like the Babylonian bee, okay? Now me, I'm the Babylonian bee. This guy, I mean, it, he he was he thought this was the way. It was so people would have more places to sit in the sanctuary. That was a reason to have a choir. Um, it helps with congregational singing. Now, I agree with some of these. helps with congregational singing to have a choir, so you could do that. Um, it was something for the minister of music to do. You know, it gave him something to do and to, to present. Uh, and so, but anyway, it just went on, you know, these nine things, and all nine of them were just kind of like, really? Uh, I have a choir because Scripture mandates it. Now, a lot of our uh, friends today, our, our new generation, I'm saying young generation, not, not, not your generation, but the one after you, thinks, you know, well, it's not mentioned in the New Testament. You know, a choir is not mentioned in the New Testament, so there's no, in a New Testament church, we ought not to have that. Well, if we go by that standard, okay, let's go by that standard. If it's not mentioned in the New Testament, it shouldn't be a part of a New Testament church. Okay. okay, no instruments. Okay, they're gone. All right, so you see what I'm saying? That's a, that's a slippery slope to jump on uh, to say. And so I can find you 50 references of a choir and how God ordained that choir to be used in his worship. Um, 
it's, it's, do you remember the old saying that said, if, if it, uh, the King James Version, you know, if it was good enough for Paul and Silas, it's good enough for me. And, you know, that was the King James only folks. Are there any King James only folks that I've just offended by saying that? Because there are a lot of folks that think, you know, it's only King James. And they think if it was good for Paul and Silas, it's good for us. Well, you know, we didn't have the King James Bible. So, so see what I'm saying? We, we try to attach to things that aren't here. And remember last night I said, if our ministries, if our choir ministry, if our ministry is not based on this book, then it's not, it's going to fall. Now, um, that brings me to something else I said last night. And that is, uh, this is, is the sieve. Okay. So, Y'all know cooking, you know, so you've got this thing and you're getting flour and you want the, to get the stuff. And so you're, well, this is my sieve to get uh, any kind of worship song. It's got to go through here. And if, it's, if, if it gets caught somewhere in here, if it's not scriptural somewhere about it, I'm not going to use it. Okay. Same thing with choir anthems. Okay. I don't sing it because it's popular. I don't sing it because it's on the radio. I don't sing it because I like it. I don't sing it because my congregation will like it. I don't sing it because the choir likes it. I don't sing it because the pianist can play it. Those are all not reasons to do it. Okay? So if it's scripturally based, and it's, it's, then, then I can stand on it. All right? So let's look at uh, the first handout I gave you, understanding the role of the choir. Now... Uh, I'm a shorter graduate, so it was beat into my head the two and a half years that I spent at Shorter that performance was what I worked towards, okay? So uh, I was a vocal major uh, at, at Shorter, and so everything I did, everything was for performance. In other words, it was for me to come and to stand and to entertain to some degree people with what God, no, no, that was not their basis, but what God had given me is kind of what I felt. And so um, I dealt with that, but don't, we, we perform every Sunday, do we not? Now, we don't like that word. I don't like that word, okay? But here's how I like that word. The philosopher Kierkegaard came up with an idea of what worship is. His idea, now, I, I probably don't agree with anything else Kierkegaard said, Okay, That's, that tells you about him, okay? But I believe this. This is exactly what I believe. And that is, in the day, and you think about it, it's right, like in the Catholic Church. Let's just, let's just our brothers in the Catholic Church. My older brother is a Catholic, and so I'm, I'm not berating them. I'm just saying that's a good example. Uh, when you go to a Catholic Church or you go to a, a high church, you know what I mean when I say high church? When you go to a high church, who... Are the performers priests? Okay, the the clerical, uh, and so they they're the ones that are wearing the the robes and the. Uh, I was brought up in a Methodist church, a high Methodist church, so I mean I've I've been an acolyte, so I've I've wore the vestments, I've you know been a part of that. Okay, but we were the actors, the the clergy were the actors. Okay, who was the audience of of what normally they do? The congregation is the audience. They're the ones that come to see the spectacle of, of the performers, okay? And so if we, if we take that to the, to the extreme, we've kind of left God out of that uh, picture, have we not? And so I want to turn it up on its head and say, God is our audience, only God. 
the congregation are the actors. They're the ones that are performing and acting worship. Okay? And when I say congregation, I'm going to wrap around and say the choir is included in that. Okay? And the ministers, or you and I, are prompters. I am invoking a response from you by the songs I choose, by the way I, uh, I sing. Uh, Ron Carter this morning in the worship. It was almost electric to me when he got up from the keyboard on Behold Our God and there were no instruments and he's just directing the choir, okay? Now, that to me was a prompting, okay? He was not acting. He was singing. He didn't have a microphone, okay? And he's, he's kind of telling us, you know, how fast, how slow. And so he became our prompter but in that thing, I was the actor. I was the one that was, was worshiping, and I was worshiping through an audience of one God. Okay? So that, that's kind of how I feel about a choir is that we are not the performers. In other words, I, and, and I, tell, I don't use that word perform. We are presenting, okay? And we are prompting others to worship. Uh, so... All of this is Steve's stuff, so that's my out, okay? So I'm just trying to teach Steve's stuff. But the word performance, I just want to make sure we never get that in our heads, that we're performing for a group of people that have come on Sunday morning. Because that is not theologically sound. But it is theologically sound to say, you, you know, we, we call ourselves now, I was a minister of music for 100 years, now they want to call me a worship leader. Well, I am so much more than a worship leader, Okay. Not only do I lead in worship, I am hopefully worshiping, okay? So, you know, it's this multiple hats that I've got, you know, you, every one of you wear every Sunday. Right. And so, what, what did you call me? Lead worshiper. Lead worshiper. Don't you love that? I love that, 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 that whole idea of I'm, I'm not set aside, I'm not up here special, but I'm just one that's prompting. I'm one of you that's prompting. And so, um, you know, church's architect um, makes that happen. In the church I served, it was a wraparound balcony. So the balcony came all the way up to the front and then steps down to the, to the platform. Don't call it a stage. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that puts back in the idea of performance. When I call this the stage or I call this, you know... Um, you know, we call it the Baptists get so worried about the word sanctuary, but where I worship is my sanctuary, and so that's a, a good term. We call it an auditorium. You know, go to the auditorium, uh, but it's a sanctuary. It is a place that is set aside for sacred worship. All right, so we get the performing choir, so you know how I feel about that. Is it performance versus worship leading? Okay, I think it's both. I don't think it's an either or, I think it's both in the choir setting. Okay. Uh, works to perform with excellence. If, if you lead a choir, I don't care if you're going to sing Bill Gaither. I don't care if you're singing shape notes. I don't care if you're singing from the green or the blue or the orange book. Whatever you're singing, if, you're, if your ultimate goal is to not have it pleasing to the ears of God, then we can't, we, we've got to, to make that jump. We can't, you know, say, oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, and so, you know, you hear the wrong notes, you hear the wrong rhythms, you, you know, they're just not together. 
all of us as choir directors have to get those nitpicky things out of, out of, out of the way. Uh, for instance, uh, talked a little bit about this last night, but even the words uh, that have, uh, that, that, that's a precursor to the downbeat, you know, trying to teach a choir that you can't go, the word we used this last night, the word uh, when, okay? Say, say like you're, you're gonna talk to me, What's, what, how would you say when? when. When. when, right? So it's it's when, right? And so, but you can't sing that word, can you? Well, you can. People have proved me wrong. <laughs> when, you know, uh, and so uh, you have to you have to get into the technique of it and say, well, really, the word when is a puff of air coming through pursed lips with that sound. When, when is not when, right? When, when. When you, I can I almost can't do it wrong, but when, when that's wrong, when, when. So it's that puff of air. Okay, the letter T. Okay, uh, a lot of times that's an explosive consonant. Okay, is it voiced or unvoiced? I'm, it's unvoiced, right? And so, in other words, I don't have. It's not mm, mm, mm. See, that's got that's got a guttural thing starting in mm, 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 mm. Okay, it's got that sound. But t, s, those are all non. They they they're not musical at all. They're just just guttural sounds. Okay, and so in order for the choir to be understood and not to be a a, a mass of you know five people going. T, you know, and it, having that kind of feel, we have to learn to say, okay, uh, that's on the downbeat, and so you're gonna, everyone will, t okay, or, s now, we have a problem in our country, <laughs> especially with the s sound. Mm -hmm. It's like we love it, <laughs> you know? And so everything that has that s sound, we think we gotta hold on to it, you know? And so, but it's gotta be a very quick, non, you know, s Okay. Right. And so sometimes what I'll do, if the choir just can't do it, we can't get it together, I'll say, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. Even numbers, odd numbers. I rarely say, I rarely add an S on the end. Yeah. Well, uh, and so the one we used last night, uh, the proverbial uh, held on to R. We will remember, we will remember. That's not the way my choir sang it Wednesday night. We will remember, we will remember. Now it's shorter. Maybe they changed after I, I, I left, but they never taught me how to sustain an R. Because you, you're not supposed to. It's, it's almost invisible. Uh, I almost tell them to leave it out. To, to almost, you know, it comes out funny. We will remember, we, but, but you think you hear an R even when I didn't say it. Yeah. And so a lot of times the, the t sounds uh, do the same thing. Just the, just the hint of that is enough. You don't have to have everybody in the choir going, tss, tss, okay? It just doesn't work. Okay, so we're working for excellence. We're working for that together. And don't you, isn't that impressive to you when a choir sings and they're together and, and everything is just, I mean, when they did that song this morning, that's a song the Sons of Jew will do. And let me tell you, 
it's a, it's a huge song. The only thing that made it better is if they had handbells in it. We use handbells uh, in the, the resurrection part of it, live handbells. And so, you know, it's really, and I really, Ron's a member, so I thought he was going to do that, but he didn't. Uh, but everything was together. Everything was, you know, just, and so that's what we're doing. So rehearsals regularly and systematically. If you have a choir, two or more, and they only rehearse haphazardly, it'll never happen. You will always be haphazard. Uh, you've got to get to where, uh, if we rehearse on Wednesday nights, we rehearse on Wednesday night every Wednesday night. And so you're trying to, to do that. Um, the church I served for 17 years, I probably could count on one hand the number of times the choir did not sing on Sunday. And so it's just that, you know, you're going to be used. You're going, you know, it's going to be a, a, every Sunday. Uh, but if you keep, you know, well, we're going to sing uh, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks away. So let's not rehearse these next three weeks. Let's just come back to get that. It doesn't work. And so just, just keep that process going. Now, you said you practice. We practice every week. Okay, good. Yeah, okay, good, good. We good. just always sing every right. other week. Every other week. That, that, and that. Just praise to yeah, but that works because the choir is consistently practicing. It, I came in, I actually came in as a volunteer, and um, we had just lost our music guy, just he went to another congregation. Mm-hmm. So they were just getting up week after week, not prepared. Like there was just not, so it was kind of just something we changed at the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. let's all feel really confident about yeah. what we're Remind saying. me what church you're in? First Baptist Vidalia. Vidalia. So, uh, one of your former pastors baptized me. Bucky? Yeah, no, the one before him. Oh. The one that passed away. Grady. Grady Rome. Okay. Yeah, he wow. baptized me. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. My mentor. That is so cool. <laughs> I've heard such wonderful things. He was a great him. man. He was a great man. All right, so we've got, <laughs> we got that. Um, so, how many of you do a Christmas music? You do Christmas, some kind of Christmas. You do some kind of Easter, I guess. Okay, you're going, going to do it. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, and and you can again. You can again. We're starting it, or we started when I came. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. So, um, used to back in the day, in the '80s, I, I would say, if you're not in choir on Wednesday night, you don't sing on Sunday. That was one of my rules. If you don't, if you don't sing on Wednesday, if you don't practice on Wednesday night, you don't sing on Sunday morning. My other rule was, uh, unless you've consistently come to rehearsal, you can't sing in special events. In other words, you know, you can't show up to the rehearsal right before Christmas music and then anticipate singing. And so I had that rule as well. Over the years, uh, as I get older, I have begun to loosen up on some of those. Uh, One of the things I loosen up on is that sometimes I'll say, will you make a seasonal commitment to the choir. Will you sing for Christmas? You know, will you sing from now till Christmas? And then after Christmas, you'll make a decision on whether or not to continue. The thing about that is, as a choir person, is that they usually continue on. Okay? But our lives, think about our lives today. Our lives are, are in segments, aren't they? Uh, you know, we do this for 30 minutes and then we break for a, a minute or two. Then we do this for 30 minutes and then we break. Our TV schedule is that way. You know, it's 30 minutes and then commercials, 30 minutes and then commercials. And so our whole life is kind of geared that way. But with um, 
if, if, if you have uh, young families, you have uh, soccer and football and baseball and, and karate and all these different things that kids are involved in today. And, and, and the parents are the ones that have to do that schedule. So I, that's a, a, just a good way to get them in a short term. Maybe just say, can you sing for the summer? We're going to sing anthems that we've done in the, in the year. So, you know, would you come and just sing in the summer? I, I gave the choir that I'm working with right now the month of July off. And so we just sang songs that we had sung before that whole month. And so uh, that's a way to, to maintain that. The main task centered around anthem of the day. In other words, uh, my rehearsal on Wednesday night is really geared towards ha- being ready for Sunday. But in my long-range plan, I have four or five others that I'm working on as well that may be the next Sunday and the next Sunday. And so I have those in degrees of preparedness, okay? And I usually do about seven anthems in rehearsal, okay? So the first one I do is always Sunday's anthem, and I spend the majority of my time on that anthem, okay? So maybe 15 minutes on that one anthem, I have it ready for Sunday. We do it once, you know, like we're going to do it on Sunday, and I put it away. I don't bring it back out. It's, it's, it's ready for Sunday. Now, the next one is going to be for the next, next Sunday, all right? And so it's probably three-fourths ready, okay? Well, then the next one is probably a half ready. The next one is a quarter ready. You see what I'm saying? But you, build that, you have to build that up in six weeks. You know, you can't just start that. You, you've got to build that up. Um, now, this, this next bullet point I don't agree with. Congregational music is secondary. I used to say when I was a minister of music, I would, I would look at the congregation and say, the biggest choir I have is you. Okay, that's the biggest choir I lead is the congregation choir. And um, to me, congregation music is, is priority. Okay, now, I'm a choir guy. And so, I mean, when I get with them on Wednesday night, they think they're the most important thing the church has ever done, okay? But my priority over the years has changed somewhat. Now, they're still priority. I still rehearse them every week. I still say they're the main worship leaders of the church. Uh, but I know that now it's, it's shifted to a degree to where now congregation singing is, is so different than what it was in the 80s, uh, early 80s for sure, and, and back further, that you know it, it takes more time in the rehearsal to get ready for that. Uh, and so um, it says here, leaves uh, when it has accomplished its task. In other words, uh, the choir itself, just this morning, okay, we saw they gathered together, okay? Uh, you probably didn't notice, but Ron got in front of them uh, with a microphone that was just the, the speakers only to the choir, and he talked to the choir, here's what we're going to do, okay? And then he, he, he said, okay, gave them time to use the restroom, whatever. And then they gathered back together, they sang for the worship, and then they departed, okay? So every Sunday you have that kind of motion in your choir, all right? So you're coming and going. Um, so to me, when we say performance versus worship leading, I'm going to, I'm heavy on worship leading, not so much on performing, although I do, I still do Christmas, I still do Easter music, so I used to do a, a Easter pageant, uh, so, you know, big kind of things. On the next page, you're going to see the biblical foundations for a choir, 
the biggest thing that you can do, you can look down here, uh, relationships. Uh, the relationships in the choir are great. So I have section leaders for all of my the sections. Those section leaders are really the people. If I have a guest over here in the soprano section, then the soprano section leader is the one that greets them and then makes sure they get a card to me or something to me, okay, according to the size choir I have. Now, if I have 50 or 60, I, I really need this section leader to find out her name, and then give me a card with her name on it so I can introduce her publicly. But now, if you're meeting like I have, I have probably have 25 in the choir I'm leading right now. I wouldn't wait. I don't wait for the, you know, uh, if I know there's somebody sitting there and I'm not ready to start, I'm going to, I go personally over and talk. But now, like I say, with, with 90, you couldn't do that. Uh, but, you know, in a small situation, you know, just come over, uh, get her name, her name, her, her uh, email address. That's all you need. You don't need to ask them for all the information they have. No need for a social security number, credit card number, name and email. That's all you need to be effective in communicating with a choir member. All right. All right. Uh, so I'm going to build a relationship from the very beginning. Um, Bill, I stole this idea from Bill Cohen about one of the choir rehearsals. Birthdays. Boy, birthdays are important to people, aren't they? Here's what Bill Cohen used to do. He would uh, have a stash of Snickers bars in his office. And so he, his secretary would tell him, okay, these, this is a list of people in the choir that have birthdays. Well, the first thing he did before he prayed, before he did anything, he would find that person and throw them a candy bar. I did the alto section yeah. when I was aiming for the tenor section. Right. So, and then they sing happy birthday. And so, you know, that's just a fun way of, of recognizing and then giving a gift. It's a small gift, but it's a gift. Hey, he thought enough of me, she thought enough of me to give me a gift. Uh, and it, it, you know, it's just low cost, high impact. Right? Uh, so our relationships are good. Every choir member is valued. Uh, I know a lot of choirs around that are not doing prayer time anymore because they think, you know, I'm going to hear uh, Aunt Susie's third cousin on my father's side and yada, yada, yada. So how do you, you get that? Well, I don't want to spend a lot of time of my rehearsal time, you know, hearing about Aunt Susie. Now, I, I'm worried about Aunt Susie, and I'll pray for Aunt Susie. But what I want is I have a prayer person in my choirs, and that person is going to make a list. And so if you've got a prayer request, you tell the prayer person every time you come to choir, and then the prayer captain hands me at the end of the rehearsal that list. I read the list. If it needs more explanation, I look to the member and say, hey, could you tell us a little bit more about this? If it's a choir member, I'm going to especially do it if it's a choir member. Okay, I'm going to get more information. I want to, you know, everybody to hear what's going on with our family. Uh, but that kind of cuts down, you know, she has a cut three inches in diameter and it's, it's this and that. You know, we don't, we don't need that. We just need to know, hey, she's in the hospital or she's need, in need of prayer and we pray. Uh, so every choir member is valued. Uh, we care about one another, believe in one another, pray for one another, weep for one another, rejoice with one another. Choir is a team. If you, if you think about it, it's a team. It's just like a football team. And the choir director is the quarterback. And so the quarterback is going to call the plays. And so uh, in, in that kind of uh, atmosphere, you, you're a team. And so if my left guard is, is hurt, I hope I've got a backup. 
okay? And so we're a family. We're going to help each other and, and, and do that, all right? Uh, education. Now, most of you uh, don't have music degrees. Nowhere in Scripture do I see that any worship leader in the Bible had a music degree. Now, am I thankful for my degrees? I certainly am. Uh, God brought me from, just like you heard in there, uh, to you know where I'm at today. And so I'm, I'm very proud of what God's allowed me to do educationally. Uh, it's made me a, an effective minister. Uh, coming from shorter, I could sing anything, I could sight read anything, I could, you know, help other people sight read or sing anything, you know, it just, it, it, it helped a lot. But before I had all that education, I was a minister of music too. I was a kid doing it. Uh, I was, my first music ministry job was at 16 and I had no education. I didn't have any idea. I'd been in choir all my life uh, and that's all I knew. I knew children's choir and I knew youth choir. That's what I knew. And so I just kind of built things around them. And there were small churches, you know, that had a lot of forgiveness. Uh, but, you know, we sang from hymn books. We sang from uh, shape notebooks. We said, you know, whatever I could find is what we sang. Uh, inspirational books. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit on somebody's favorite in a second. But, you know, we sang through all those things. And I tell you, the Lord was worshipped then in my choirs as much as he is now in my choirs. And so I don't want you to get, oh, I don't have a degree, so I can't be effective. Sometimes the ones that don't have a degree are the most effective. And so just, uh, you know, if, if, if God's called you, God will equip you. And so uh, if I can ever be of help, uh, you can find me on the website. You can call me any time or day, and I will answer questions. I'll even come to you and, and help uh, if I need to uh, and just uh, do whatever I can do. I don't have to tell you about fellowship or presentation or preparation. We've talked through some of those uh, issues. Uh, the mission of the choir. What is the mission of the choir? Well, it, there's a number of missions that we have. Our main mission is what we've just talked about, worship. And so we're worship leaders. But the other is, is kind of an individual thing. When I'm in a choir, when I sing with the Sons of Jubal, it becomes an individual thing then. I'm not, I'm not the director, and so I'm sitting in rehearsals. I'm, I'm with my brothers around me, uh, and so I, it becomes a little different for me there because I'm not the director. Uh, but in that setting, it enriches me and helps me to be a better minister, a better person, but it also helps me vocally. It helps me... Uh, musically to be around people that are doing the same thing. And isn't that why people come to choir? It's because somewhere along the way, someone looked at them and said, you can sing. I mean, honestly. Uh, I had an elementary school teacher that pulled me from the very back of the room and pulled me up, and I sang the song, John B. Sales. Do you all know that song? It's an educational song. Uh, Hoist the John B. sails, see how the mainsail set. Send for the captain ashore, let me go home, let me go home. Does that not ring a bell to anybody else? Well, I'm old, okay. <laughs> me and you, man, we're together. But in about the fourth or fifth grade, she pulled me from the back of the room. Now, I didn't know I could sing, but next to her, I, I sang like an opera singer. Okay? And that encouraged me, and that, that was kind of the start I got. 
And then, you know, I wanted to be a performer. Okay. But, I, you know, that training I had when I was 16 was just that. I mean, it was just my passion for it. I knew I, I loved to sing. And so I just kind of shared that from my heart and said, you know, I may, you know, the pianist is going to have to help a lot because I don't, I don't know a rhythm. I don't know what the pitch is. You know, I don't know how to move from one pitch to the other. And so not knowing that doesn't disqualify you. It just, it, it, it just slows you down. Okay. It's like being a slow reader. This guy talks about this more about slow reader. What did he say? He said, well, eventually I get to the end of the book. Well, you will too as a choir director. Eventually you'll get to the end and you're going to look back and say, boy, I'm glad I had that experience. So um, it's, it's a community and so we got to do that. So let's talk about uh, planning a choir rehearsal. This is a little more practical. That's a little more philosophical. Uh, this is going to be a little more practical. How, how do I get, you know, dug into this uh, and like I say, if, if, I'm, if I miss along the way, if I miss what you need, we can jump trains here. So uh, failing to plan is planning to fail. Uh, now, I know, I'm sorry, I already know about what you do. Uh, tell us what you do as far as worship uh, and choir planning. You've got spreadsheets, so tell us about that. I have an Excel spreadsheet that um, goes everything from our budget, our choir members, and their contact information. Um, it's on one sheet, and then I have our specials on one sheet, and then I have a fourth sheet that has um, every song that we've done for that year. Um, and so typically, a new year, I clean that out and erase the dates and create and copy that, and I go through my um, worship planning through that so I know when I sang that song last, so it's not necessarily a repeat or, or whatnot. And so then I feel like I very different than what Ron was saying of the 50 songs of what he does a year. It's more of, I'll try to hit every genre within our new Baptist hymnal from life away. Mm-hmm. Um, or praise songs. So I know what, I'm, you know what we are doing and what we haven't done. Okay. Do all of you do anthem literature? Like you have uh, anthems that you get from life away or uh, those kinds of things. What do you sing from? Hymn book. Hymn book. Mm-hmm. And church has some old, old, old books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, listen, I've done plenty of that and been very effective, you know, just, just doing that. Uh, I've even been in one church. I was only there for about six months, but I was in a church that did it the really old-fashioned way where there was not a choir to start with in the service. But when it came choir time, they all knew to come down. So we never rehearsed. We never did anything. And so, you know, you're up there and they come up and you look at them and you've placed music or you've placed hymn books on the chairs and and you say number 492 okay and so and i mean we just sing it's it's not a rehearsal it's not i mean it's just a pow okay so uh, i've been there too okay now you don't talk talk about scared uh, i was in view of call at a church one time and the organ and the pianist didn't like sharps or flats. I don't know which way they went. I think it was sharps they didn't like. So they played everything in, that, were, that was in sharps and flats, but they didn't tell me that. And so uh, all of a sudden the organ starts in a key, and so I start in that key, but the pianist is obviously not in that key. 
And so, you know, they're about a half step away. And, you know, I'm in view of a call, so I, I, got, I got to pull this together. I can't just stop, you know. So I'm trying, you know, so desperately to, you know, figure out why is that. Can you imagine that sound half step off? And I'm in. <laughs> uh, and so finally, I just thought, you know, this is, this is a train that has left the track. I'm not going to be able to survive. And so I stopped. Well, so it's two men, two men that are playing the organ and piano. They both stand up and scream across the way, okay, over my head. It's in that green book, dummy. And so then we start again, okay? Yeah, so I've been in that situation. I've also been in a situation where the organist, it was one of those fun machines. It wasn't a real like a, a Allen or Rogers or, you know, it was just a fun machine that was in a home, you know. Da, 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 da. Well, on the uh, expression pedal, it had just a little rise in it to where you could push your foot. And when it did that, it had a little Hawaiian effect. It would go, so, well, my organist didn't know she had it continuously pressed down, okay? And so she's a half step off, and so the pianist at the time thought, okay, she's playing it in flats, not in sharps. So she moves. Well, when she moves, the organist realizes, hey, I've got it on my foot, take it off. Now they do this. <laughs> so I've been in that situation too. I could tell you a hundred stories about how that kind of stuff happens. But I think we just have to plan. Uh, and like I say, sometimes our plans failed miserably. Uh, I'm not scared now at 62 to stop. Just to say, it's not working, stop. We're going to do it again. I'm a handbell director. I direct with the Sons of Jubal handbells. And I mean, there have been times, this is a professional handbell choir that I have looked at them. And I mean, just said, <laughs> now we're going to start again. Okay. And so don't be afraid to do those kinds of things. So selecting and calendaring music. Now, uh, some of us are singing from hymn books. Uh, some of us are doing anthem literature. Some of us are doing maybe a mixture of the two. Uh, maybe some of you are using Lifeway Worship. And so when you pick up this one, how to use LifewayWorship.com, maybe you're mapping a song, uh, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, 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 and then burning a CD and maybe singing with that CD. Uh, so all of these things, these uh, avenues that you have for music, um, you know, try to use. And so just like he has, uh, you need to have a list. And a lot of times it was just a, a piece of paper for me. And I'd write the dates. If it were Christmas, if it were New Year's, if it was Mother's Day, if it were, you know, I, if there was an emphasis, a 4th of July, that kind of stuff. And then I would just start inserting titles. Now, I would every once in a while put in a sugar stick. You know what a sugar stick is? A sugar stick is an anthem that they can do in two seconds. This is one we've done a million times, and, and that you need those sometimes. Sometimes Sunday mornings you get in there and you have one soprano. What are you going to do? Well, you could try it, but I wouldn't. <laughs> and so, you know, I, if I had two, I may try it, but one, I wouldn't try it. And so that's an anthem I just pull out and do. Now, as a choir leader, you need to be able to hear four parts or eight parts at a time. Okay? That's what I don't think I can. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. And the more you do it, the more it, it is easier to hear. It's more important what you don't hear. Okay? In other words, if it's a major sounding chord, I don't want to hear any minor sounding things. And if it's a minor sound, 
I don't want to hear any major kind of things. And so, you know, people get in their head. We, we all think major. Do you know what I mean when I say major? Major, minor, okay? Uh, minor is kind of funeral dirge. Major is joy to the world. The Lord has come, that kind of stuff. And so, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to figure that out. But hearing each individual part. Now, we have sopranos, altos, tenors, and basses. What's the most important part? The most important part is whoever at the time has the melody. Okay? And that sometimes varies. Uh, sopranos like to hog the melody. I'm sorry to keep pointing to y'all. But this, is, this is where my sopranos sit, so I'm, I'm used to pointing this way. But uh, the sopranos hog the melody most of the time. And, and that's, you know. And so your sopranos, a lot of times your sopranos are your non-readers. These are people that can just sing the melody. Play the melody and I can sing it. Okay? Uh, and hopefully you've got somebody that can sing above a D on the staff or E on the staff. Hopefully you've got someone that can, you know, at least get to a G uh, would be nice. A, a C at times would be nice. But, you know, you've got these, these different ladies. Uh, and so, but sometimes the melody will move down into the alto. Sometimes the alto steal it from the sopranos, okay? And so they become the most important person at that time. Okay, same thing with tenors and basses. It's, it's whoever's got the melody has to be the predominant, and your choir has to know who that is. So you can't just start singing and say, I can't hear the melody. Well, who has the melody? You know, help me. And so you just find the melody, and like I say, 99.9% of the time is in the soprano, but not always, so you have to be careful with that. And so um, you're hearing those four parts. Now, sometimes men... This, this will be helpful to those that are just starting. Sometimes men will say they're tenors. They are melody singers, okay? In other words, they're singing exactly what the sopranos sing, but they're singing it an octave lower, okay? You have to be careful with these guys. They'll hurt you, all right? Because what happens is, is that all of a sudden people hear this high sound coming from the ladies and then an octave lower with the guy's voice and so you just got to watch that now do i let that guy not sing i do i mean he is he is a that most likely this person is the most faithful choir member you have will be that person that sings melody an octave lower uh, a monotone i've been in one choir that i had a true monotone monotone singer is somebody that sings on the same pitch over and over but thinks he's singing a melody this was uh this was somebody that was extremely faithful extremely helpful to me he was a carpenter he built sets for me at easter and christmas and you know there's no way i'm gonna say you can't be in the choir but honestly he sang one note always sang the right rhythms but he it was one note all the way through you got to watch for those Sometimes we just want to fill chairs, right? We just fill up some chairs and let's sing. And sometimes that's where it has to begin. And so that's where a music degree hurts you because, you know, I want to fix it. Whatever it is, I want to fix it. Uh, whereas if you don't have a degree, you might accept some of the things that I need to accept, but I, it's hard for me because I'm, I'm musically trained and so I want it to be right. And uh, I think every choir, don't you think every choir, I want it to be right. Mm -hmm. I want it to be perfect, to be honest. I'm a shorter grad. I want it to be 
perfect. I want every rhythm to fall right in place. I want every note. I want to pronounce the words correctly. I want to, you know, everything. I just want it perfect. But I know that's where I aim. But I know my choir's aim is much lower than that. Okay? So as long as my aim is higher than theirs, then we're okay. But now you've all been in situations where the choir director's aim is here and you you're, as a choir want it to be here. This is where all the frustration comes. Uh, he's not doing his job. He's yada, 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 yada. I don't have to tell you all the things. Uh, so even works are above. But as a, as a choir director, you need to have a, a high goal of I want to do it right. And even if it's a hymn, if, even if it's a shape note song that you're singing the notes that are there, you're singing the rhythms that are there, and you're doing it right. Uh, most importantly, for years, uh, I pushed, you know, doing it right, singing it right, let's work on getting it right. And I realized that I was, I was leaving out passion, and I was leaving out heart. And so a lot of times, even if it's got the wrong rhythm, or even if it's got the wrong notes, or even if it, it doesn't come out clear, the message is still clear because it comes from people that are passionate about it. Um, all right. Now, uh, we talked about how to get those six or seven anthems, and that's just my thing. It, it may be that you have two or three. Now, I've been in churches where I, just, I was able to just do two or three. Maybe they, the church right now, I have an hour rehearsal. I don't, it, it's not long enough. It needs to be an hour and a half. But that's what, they, that's what they're going to give me is an hour. And so I know that if I spend the first 10 to 15 minutes and sometimes 20, according to what I'm singing on Sunday, if I take all that time for that, then really I've only got time for four, maybe three, really digging into, you know, let's hear the soprano part, let's hear the tenor part. You know, that takes a lot of time to go back and forth between hearing and singing and then correcting, okay? So that's where you need to tune your ears as a new, new director is being able to hear what the pianist plays as the part know that she's played it right and then hearing the choir do that with her and then knowing how to correct what they didn't do. And a lot of times it's just technical stuff. It's uh, we have to breathe here. We have to carry this. Oh, we can't breathe there. We've got to carry it over. Uh, we've got to tip all together, you know, at the end. We've got to, to do this at the beginning. Uh, you know, the sopranos have the melody, so they need to be just all those little bitty things. Uh, but I think that's where I suffered in those early years, uh, 16, 17, 18, where I just took for granted that the pianist would play it right. And so, you know, they'd sing it, and then I'd have a friend from Shorter somewhere come in, you know, and, and they'd say, don't you see that? And i said, oh, yeah, <laughs> I do now. Uh, and so, you know, just, just working towards uh, trying to, to you know, uh, having the pianist prepared to do. Now, um, let's talk about accompanist for a moment. My wife is one, and she's been my accompanist all my ministry, with the exception of my interims, because now she, we're away on Sundays. I'm serving somewhere else, and she's still at the church I served. Um, but a, a couple of things you as a director need to know about an accompanist. First off, an accompanist can make you or break you. All right? Um, now, I got to go home with my accompanist every Wednesday night. So it made me a little more sensitive.
to how I treated her in the rehearsal, okay? <laughs> now, my organist, good friend of ours, but my organist, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> my organist uh, gained a lot because of my relationship with my wife because, you know, I, I treated my wife and my, or, my organist the same, uh, but I was a little, you know, so I was tender on this side. Um, I have never, ever, never, ever, never corrected my accompanist in front of the choir. Never. Now you say, how in the world? I've been serving since I was 16. I am 62 years old. I have never told my accompanist she played something wrong. Yes, I have. I have. But it wasn't my wife. Yes. Now, I did not say that I have not corrected an accompanist. I have not. What I have not done is I have not corrected her publicly. Okay? So, she's playing a rhythm that's wrong. Okay? I'm not going to walk over to her. She's worked, you know, she's, she, I mean, she's a valuable member of my team. I don't walk over to her and say, no, it's, I don't do that. Here's what I do. Okay, choir, let's look at that rhythm right there in those measures. Uh, here it is. Okay, now what I've done, I've corrected her, and nobody knows I've corrected her, but she knows I corrected her, okay? But I did it in a way that it's, I, I didn't embarrass her, I didn't say you're wrong. Um, the other thing that I'll do is uh, I do that with singers. If I'm trying to correct, I won't you know, say, hey, hey, ma'am, that's wrong. I won't do this. But then I'll say, okay, choir, it's this. And I'll correct what it is, and I'll sing it. She's still doing it wrong. Okay, but now what I'm going to do, I'm going to move whatever's between me and her. And then I come closer to her. Now, she knows who I'm talking about. I don't have to tell her. I don't, you know, because here she is right here. Okay, no, it's this. I do it again. Okay, choir, do that. I guarantee you this person will appreciate the help I give her, but that I didn't embarrass her because she's wrong. Nobody else knows she's wrong, and you're the only people that know I do that. You know, I don't tell my choir, okay, now if I come stand by you, you are in for it, you know. But but that's, you know, that's just a, a, a simple tool to say, you know, now, I have gone up after a rehearsal and looked at a person and said, hey, uh, you got some time you maybe come by uh, the church uh, and let's just go over your part. I'd love to work with you. Mm -hmm. And see, that, that's non-conference. I didn't, you know, not that you're doing it wrong, but, you know, if you've got some time, could you come by? And I work with them individually. Now, when that happens and then I go stand next to them, they're ready. They know, okay, that I, I do that. All right. That's extra. That, you didn't pay for that. <laughs> Uh, so I've got these six or seven anthems. Uh, I would suggest that you give an order to your choir, uh, whether it's a half sheet or something, just like an order of worship. Here's the order of anthems I'm going to do. They appreciate having their music in their folders that way. So when I start putting music in folders, I have it chronologically. Okay, Here's Sundays, here's next Sundays, here's next Sundays. Now it's going to you know, do this throughout because I'm going to shift around and all that. But in my rehearsals, I like to let them know what's next so that when I say what's next and they miss what I say, 
Oh, it's that one, okay? Instead of, what is it? What color is it? Okay, and so we're doing that, okay? Yeah, don't let me go over. All right. <clears throat> yeah, I was just told to breathe. I'm sorry. Oh, I well, I, yeah, I was told to breathe just a minute ago, too. <laughs> so, yeah, Siri's trying to talk to me now. <laughs> All right, so I do have a picture. This is my grandson. Oh. Look at there, and he's sweet. <laughs> now, when was his birthday? Uh, he's two months Monday. Well, mine's yeah. six and a half weeks. He's a cutie. It's just his face. Oh. So, so watch is great. I love this. I used to say I'd never wear an Apple Watch, and my wife got me one. I said, I can't believe you spent all that money on an Apple Watch that I'm not going to wear. I wore it two weeks and I wouldn't wear anything else. I still have all, I, I love watches, love them. I have 20, but this is the only one I'll wear now because it, it reminds me to breathe. <laughs> all right, so uh, by that list in order, you're creating a flow to your worship uh, or to your uh, rehearsal. And so do I change it? I, absolutely, I'll say, uh, let's go to the next one, you know, uh, because you know, I'll just not have enough time to do it. I stopwatch my rehearsals okay and so what i do and this helps this this watch helps me do that is that uh if i'm going to spend 10 minutes on anthem then i'll set my stopwatch for 10 minutes and it just buzz it, i don't have it on sound so it just vibrates my wrist and it lets me know hey you've spent enough that's the time you allowed it for that one okay move on and uh so that kind of flow. But don't start, every, don't start in your early in your rehearsal with some new stuff, you know, stuff they don't know. Uh, it's just, it's, it's hard to move them in. Start with something they know the best. And so that's why I start with Sunday's music, because that's where it should be pretty ready by then. And uh, do that. Uh, if it's a new chorus that you're singing Sunday and you're trying to, you know, uh, I've seen guys uh, sing it to their choir one time and <laughs> then he'll say, you got it. Well, no, don't, they don't have it unless they've sung it with their mouth and with their voices, okay? Uh, they don't hear it and then do it. So in other words, quit guys and gals trying to send CDs home with guys and gals and expect them to learn that unless they've done it with their voice, with this choir, they don't know it. They may think they know. They know what the uh, CD sounds like and they can mimic that, but they need to mimic what the choir does with that. Uh, I'm not a big proponent of CDs. Now, do I send them home with them for Christmas and Easter music? Absolutely. But I don't depend on that to teach them the parts. That's just a supplement for me, okay? Uh, so I have this order. Uh, in that order needs to be the anthems. We need to have a short, short devotion. I used to let choir members do that, but they'll eat up your time. Uh, and so <clears throat> what I would do is I put it at the very end. So. You know, they know they're up against a hard time. It's not a, you know, at the beginning where they could take 10 more minutes and not worry about it, but it's at the end. And so they, they know that everybody's looking at them saying, hey, I, want, I need to get home. Uh, and so, but two or three minutes. It's a devotional thought is what I call it. It's not a sermon. It's not, a, not even a devotion as much as it's just a, a thought. Uh, reading uh, Psalm 150 or, you know, just reading a scripture. Uh, but just getting our minds focused on what we're about. Uh, and uh, especially after we've looked at and finished and prepared for Sunday, then to have that time and then have a prayer time at the end. Uh, like I say, mine goes just snap, snap, snap. I read the list, ask the questions if there's more information needed. I don't ask anybody else to pray. I guess I'm just a tyrant. I don't know. 
but I pray. I pray quickly. I pray necessarily. Okay, I don't. I don't. I'm, I don't mean to sound flippant there, but you know, I pray necessarily, and and then they go. Here's what I tell them: I start on time, and I end on time. Okay. And so if I'm in the middle of something, I will stop. If it's 7.30 and it's time to go, I just, you just, I mean, you see me shut it down. It's gone, okay? Um, and so they respect that. Uh, I begin and start services on time. I don't, I don't say, oh, we got to go, you know, over here and do something. I don't, you know, I go in and normally I'll do a countdown. We have screens. And so I do a countdown. So it keeps me... I know the minute that hits zero, I better be ready to go. Uh, and so I use countdowns. Um, so uh, rehearsing each, each thing. How am I going to rehearse it? Well, first of all, I've got to introduce it. So if I have a CD, I'll play that. You know, let them hear it from beginning to end. If they, don't, if they can't hear it, then I might sing the melody all the way through. Uh, I've given it to my pianist weeks before. I've not given it to her that night and expecting her to play the accompaniment for whatever I'm trying to introduce. I've given it to her weeks before she's had time to look at it. Uh, so I'm playing a CD or I'm singing or um, sometimes if you have a worship team, you can teach it to them in weeks prior and then let the worship team in the choir rehearsal actually sing it, you know, and then they sit with their parts and help in the sectional. Um, I invite people to my choir rehearsals. Uh, if I know somebody has a nice voice or, 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 or is talented, I always try to invite uh, other ministers of music to come in and to, you know, critique me. You know, will you sit on my rehearsal and tell me what I need to do or tell me what I don't need to do? Tell me what I need to pull out or pull in. Uh, and so just having all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but it is a week to week to week process when you lead a choir. Uh, the first week they're okay. The next week, they're just a tad bit better than okay. And the next week, they're a little tad bit higher than that. And, and, and you just grow. And what happens is, is that you grow with them. And hopefully, you're a step or two ahead. And you're just, you're just kind of leading like this. Uh, so I encourage you to do that. Uh, have, have a choir uh, luncheon at the church. You know, have those kind of fellowships. And if you do that, then you don't have to do that in the rehearsal. Now, here's what I, I, I always celebrate anniversaries, work anniversaries in my choirs. In other words, if my pianist has been here for seven years, we're going to have a, a, a cake and we're going to have something after choir when that happens. Okay, I'm going to do that. I usually do that if it's a wedding anniversary and it's a significant 50 and above I always will have something special for those people in the choir. Um, we usually have prayer partners in my choirs uh, where you choose somebody else and pray with for three or four weeks. Uh, I don't, don't do it longer than that because it, it becomes random, you know. Uh, so three or four weeks and then now choose somebody else. I always have the choir teamed up with a congregation member praying for congregation members, praying for pews. Every Everybody in my choirs has a pew, and they pray for that pew. Whoever sits in that pew, they pray for every Sunday morning. Um, we all pray for the pastors. We're going down from the choir loft. That's our prayer ministry. Uh, we're praying for the pastor at that point. Uh, 
while we're singing, we are singing joyfully as a choir. And like I say, if, if it's just a hymn, if you're just singing the melody of a hymn with the piano playing, uh, just making sure they understand what, what, is, what is it that I am singing. I, I don't want to just sing it for singing purpose. I want to sing it because it, it, it has something scripturally uh, to me. Uh, so not, not neglecting the spiritual aspect. Um, I just said, begin on time. Uh, don't talk too much. Uh, if you're a talker, I, I'm not a real talker when I get in a group of people. Uh, that may be hard to, to think, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really shy. And so I've grown out of that. You know, Shorter helped me with that. You know, I was so shy and, you know, they just, like a lion, they brought it out of me. Uh, but uh, try to, you know, just uh, don't talk too much. Uh, don't feel like in choir rehearsal you, got, you have to explain every little thing. If it's a big deal, it's a big deal. If it's not, it don't make it a big deal. Uh, have fun. Keep it light. You've always got one person in the choir that will help you with, with a jovial moment. Uh, you've always got that one person. You know, every choir has one person uh, that kind of keeps everything light. Uh, be, be able to laugh at yourself. Uh, you know, I've, I've made plenty of, of mistakes. I've had plenty of mistakes pointed out by pianists and organists. Even choir members will raise their hands and their questions become accusatory. You know, don't we need to look over there? And so, you know, I always try to say, you know, if I don't think we need to look, we don't need to look. <laughs> so don't even ask. If I've not looked, we don't need to look. And that's just me, I guess, taking up for me. Uh, I'm the leader, and so I want to be the leader. And you'll just have to do that one time. You know, one person asks a question, and they just say, I appreciate your question, but if it's, if it's not about something you personally cannot do, you know, don't tell me that so, oh, so-and-so over there is not getting his part. Uh, but, you know, only ask me questions. I can't do this or I need help doing this. That's, the, that's where questions need to come in a rehearsal. Um, creative ways to help learn rhythms. Boy, I use my hands all the time and I make them do that. Or I will make them uh, sing on the word nah, 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 okay? Or just any, any syllable with consonants uh, at the beginning and just sing the melody on that. Sing four parts with just no words, just let's, let's concentrate on the harmonies now. And so you just take the words out of the picture so they're not worried about diction and then just, just sing it and then say, okay, now let's add the words in uh, and see how that works. Um, don't... Don't, if you've got four measures that are difficult, don't spend 30 minutes on four measures. Either spend some time on it, four measures, go away from it completely, go to something else. Here's another anthem, work on it, and then maybe come back to that. But don't spend a, you know, don't spend a, a large amount of time on a little bit of music, okay? Uh, try not to do that. Uh, look for ways in your conducting to find entrances. In other words, can I, can I bring the choir in and, and make that happen? Um, so my conducting uh, masters tell me that this arm, whether I'm left-handed or right-handed, 
is my hand that brings expression to the choir and its entrances, okay? Now, sometimes my pattern hand will bring an entrance in, but mainly this hand is the entrance hand, and so I'm gonna help with, with entrances on this while I'm keeping a steady beat here, okay? And so um, Steve teaches a class, what do I do with my hands? Uh, and so that's very effective. You know, during congregational singing, what do you do to your, with your hands? Uh, you know, well, I, again, my shyness, I felt like I needed something between me and the congregation. So I use a wireless handheld mic. Okay, and that's my protection. I hide behind that microphone. Okay, I know it sounds silly, but it, it gives me a little confidence to know, hey, I've got this microphone I'm standing behind. Uh, but but that's that's you know me. Um, I don't stand behind the pulpit anymore. I used to used to stand at the pulpit with my hymn book on the pulpit directing. I don't do that anymore. I do don't direct any congregational singing. What uh, do you do? I sing in the microphone. Where are you? I have a team. I have yeah. four singers: uh, a soprano, an alto, a tenor, tenor. They don't write praise music for basses. <laughs> So I have four people on either, or two on either side of me, and I'm holding a microphone. Now, that doesn't mean, just like uh, Ron did today, you know, he, you saw him direct the choir on Behold Our God, you know. So he was, he was giving them that strong beat. He was playing with his right hand, but he was giving the choir with his left. Uh, I do that in congregational singing. If it's something that needs a help, you know, let's start here, then I use my hands. But I am never anymore doing this when I'm singing at all. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not directing, okay? It's my, it's my life, my passion, and she just said that. <laughs> I do it, but I enjoy it. I don't yeah. like it. I like the directing aspect. But at, and when I have an organist, I really love it. Well, now that's the only reason you should ever direct is when you have two instrumentals like that. But, um, but also my pianist needs it right and and most people uh, they're going to tell you what what they need but uh, i have not directed worship in a long time where i've actually I, given a pattern I follow my peers. yeah all right so you're giving clear cut this is also my cut off hand i'm giving and clear cut off okay and then don't neglect mistakes in other words if a mistake is made here's what i tell my choir i want every mistake you made to be as loud and harsh as you can make it in rehearsal. <laughs> because I can correct a mistake that you make in rehearsal, but you make a mistake in the congregation scene, I can't make a correction there. So make it as loud and as boisterous as you can, and I can fix that. All right? Now, we've hit a lot of bases, uh, probably not hit anything you need, but uh, I, I want you to call me. I want you to call me. I want to, to help you more, okay? Yeah, both, both, all three of you, okay? All six of you, feel free to call me anytime. Um, we'll have you down there in Dodge County. You know? Well, come on. Yeah. So where, where do you serve in Dodge County? Uh, Grace Baptist. Grace, okay. Do you know Clay Layfield at First Baptist uh, Eastman? I know. Uh, I, I've heard of him, but yeah. I'm, I, yeah. I, live, I live in Dublin, so. Oh, okay. Is, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, good. Well, uh, like I say, my passion is, is to try to, to help folks uh, do what I've loved doing for all my life. Uh, 
And so I just ask each of you to continue praying for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, uh, of which I'm a part. Uh, I am your home missionary, and uh, I travel all over Georgia helping minister of musics uh, and choir directors. So uh, I'm available to you. Uh, in our new structure, I'm going to be in the West Central area, and so I've got Atlanta and all the way down to LaGrange. That'll be my area that I'll focus on. But uh, if you need to call me, or uh, you can call me anytime, and I'm glad to help. Uh, if I can't get to where you are, I can find somebody to get to where you are uh, to help and to, to encourage. Okay, let me pray, and then we're going to go eat. Father, we're thankful for this food, and Lord, we pray that you'll just be with each of these. Lord, uh, these are passionate people, passionate about leading others to worship you through choir. Lord, I pray that you would just go now. And uh, Lord, even as we prepare this evening for tomorrow, Lord, that it would be a, a, a day of celebration as we come together to worship the one true God. Bless this food now, Lord, in Jesus' name.